This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to Kelly and Ramia. It's a lovely day to be hanging out with us. Kelly McDonald, Ramia Amazon here for the next two hours as we get through some conversations, talk to some interesting guests, and, and who knows, AI probably. But the first thing to be mentioned is speakers versus headphones. So Kels, I know, and many listeners and viewers know, that you have the Sonos Arc, which finally came to your possession, you know, after years and years, well, it felt like years and years on the show, of us uh, waiting for it to get delivered to your house or to become in stock. You know, we followed the whole progress. But now the question is, do you use the speaker system as your default sound for entertainment at home or do you prefer to use earphones slash headphones or tiny little bluetooth speakers that you can walk around the house with all three mm. not so much the tiny little bluetooth that you can walk around with they're not that tiny but uh portable for going outside a bit i use the sonos for mostly listening around the whole place and headsets, uh, when I really want to listen to certain things and I want that sound, that immersive sound, not that the Sonos Arc uh, doesn't give that with its uh, mass amount of speakers. Um, but so is it, it a breakdown really of like audiobooks and pods versus music? Everything. Mm. Everything now goes on. Now, primarily audiobooks will go through the Bose speakers that I that I have, the Bluetooth speakers in a lot of ways, or the headsets. Um, they, I think now I listen the most on the headsets. Uh, but, you know, but... Music, television, um, podcasts, and like dramas, or radio yep. shows, whatever, they go through the Sonos for the most part. Ah, okay. Anything with the good production values going through the oh, Sonos. Yeah. And when people yeah. come over, of course, it's the Sonos, right? Yeah. Nice it, it, you know, got to be careful. Can't have it too loud because then the neighbor downstairs feels yeah. they're invited. Uh, that's fair. Um, I love just my little JBL Bluetooth speaker. I, it's yes, got that's a little, a nice one. yeah, it's got a little, a little hook on one, it. Right? Mm, not square. This one's actually oh, okay. oval and it's got a little hook on it, like a metal hook that you can pretty much uh, use as a carabiner as well as a hook. So you can top, mm. put it on the, you know, knobs around your house or surfaces or hanging baskets, I guess, if you have any of those. Uh, but I enjoy it because then when I move places, it moves with me. So it's perfect yep. for like cleaning scenarios on Sunday. I bring one of those when I have to come into Toronto. Throw exactly. that in the bag. It's so oh, easy. Oh my God. Travel? Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's a wonderful and good battery life. Mm-hmm. Here's what's coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Ramia. We want to talk about disability and defensiveness. Do we feel like we're more defensive because we're people with disabilities? Let's find out with Fern Lalum later on. How can we cook for dinner during those busy weeks? Mary Mamaliti, she has some creative ideas for us later on. And of course, we have our weekly roundtable because it's Thursday. Kelly McDonald has picked out some topics for us. Myself and Beth Deer will be joining him on the conversations. Um, the Bank of Canada had a public consultation and it was around the creation of a digital Canadian dollar 
And for the most part, it revealed that people are very much opposed to it. The central bank released its findings today, which show that more than 80% of respondents strongly oppose the Bank of Canada researching and building the capacity to issue a digital dollar. The vast majority of respondents also say they do not trust the Bank of Canada to issue a secure digital currency. Among the top concerns of respondents was privacy, with the questionnaire revealing low levels of trust in institutions to protect their personal data. The Bank of Canada notes the findings do not necessarily reflect the views of the overall public because participants self-select to respond to the questionnaire. Nijuda Mali, Press, Ottawa. Well, I guess the low levels of trust and all these kind of bigger picture yes or no questions is what leads us to think that, no, it's not a good idea. But is it also because of the sensitivity of this being around money? You know, if it was any other form of digital, like my digital, I don't know, paying options, uh, not necessarily money, but, you know, my cards going digitally or identification going digital or anything else, medical information, the COVID vaccine certificates, all these different things went digital and it wasn't necessarily a big issue. And I'd say those are sensitive documents too. But what is it about money, Kells? Crypto? Not like that. Money, it's, I don't think it's so much crypto as much as how can someone beat that system? It goes back to the old days of counterfeiters. You know, mm. you have an actual physical bill. Somebody can get plates and counterfeit it, and they have to keep ahead and step on that. I think digital, we just feel way out of control. Like there's no, how do you thwart this? What kind of team do you have fighting to make sure that money isn't being literally yeah. created in seconds, less than that? Yeah, like how do we keep track? Yeah, and the government would lose track. And, and, you know, I mean, the old days, you took old bills out of circulation and burned them. How mm. would you ever keep track of that? Like, you would collect them, banks would pick them up whenever they got them in and stash them aside. And it took years to collect enough to say, okay, how much do we have? Now let's replace that in actual money and keeping track of how much money's floating through the system. I guess we don't think of the digital world in parallel to the physical world yet. Like, if we did, and as vast as it is, and as much as we do have going on in the digital world, we still do not think of it as safe, um, as right. trusted as the physical world. So that's why, yeah, some of these very old traditions like money are eh, we're skeptical about it becoming digital and even money people take it from us people you know counterfeit it so there is yeah. ways but i think i guess it's the lesser we can't keep track having the physical yeah and we saw it go digital with crypto but again it's Obviously. not long lived right now so interesting um, and problems mm -hmm. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and get into some audio entertainment because Michael Fair is talking about the uh, the way that the holiday season is starting, starting for him. Lots of new events and uh, annual events coming our way. We'll be right back. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Cannot believe we're going to be kicking off December in less than 24 hours. It's, my goodness, the last leg of the journey of 2023. And uh, it's kind of shocking. We've been talking all kinds of holiday festivities, holiday entertainment, and everything else holiday-related, food, etc., etc., etc. And we've even recorded our primetime TV episode for Kelly and Remia that will be airing during the holiday break. But it just hits you different when you realize, like, we're actually getting into December. 
Um, and part of this holiday entertainment we want to talk to Michael Fair about because he's got his own traditions that he's going to bring to us. Let's bring him on. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, it's fair to say you've got your staples like the rest of us around this time of year and getting into that mood of the holiday season. I think you and your wife, Sarah, love to get uh, into these together as well. And it officially officially starts (laughs) for the two of you with some very special audio events that are happening soon. Important traditions, you're going to tell us all about it. How many years, let's start with this, has the Sound of the Season campaign been going on? Well, this will be its 21st year, and I'm not sure I've caught all of them, but it feels like I've caught more than that number. <laughs> like, I've been listening to this for years and years, and through a number of different hosts of, of I, I like the Metro Morning uh, show in particular, but the other events are great, too. And uh, it's just been a, a wonderful way to kick off the uh, the holiday season for me. Do you listen to any of the other ones, Mike? Like. London has one here that the CBC offers up. Uh, I mean, I, I, last year, I don't believe they did it. Um, through the pandemic, I, I'm trying to think how they ran it, uh, but I've caught a few. But unfortunately, a lot of time it's happening while we're doing the show and our Christmas special. So I haven't been oh, wow. able to catch yeah. too many. I catch some of the, the I concentrate on the Toronto ones because that's that sort of I'm in the GTA. So that's where I am. But I've, I've kind of thought that, that it would make sense that the CBC would have more similar events across mm. the country. I went to one. It's such a good, I, I, it's a good idea. I went to the one I, in London once. Um, oh, I, it was wow. it, 2019 when I had my health issues and was off work. And I went to see it. And, uh, oh, my gosh, it was just so nice to sit there for the couple hours. And, and we all know it since we just finished doing our show as a primetime special. Uh, I sat as an audience member at one of them for, for CBC. And it was beautiful for the sounds of the season. See, this is one of those regrets I have that I never went. I wish I knew the people that I could go with that would get me down there, like, before I lost my hearing. Like, now I have my moderate hearing loss. I'm yes. not sure it's right. quite as... Easy to, to enjoy without overwhelming the hearing aids. But yeah, that's uh, one of those things I wish I could have done when I had full hearing. What's the it's, purpose it's of really... the campaign? So basically, the this is all about raising money for the food uh, situation. Uh, locally, we have food banks, and they've been really stretched. And this is Canada-wide, really. Uh, but the, the, this uh, CBC event uh, that I'm listening to it concentrates on Toronto. And it's basically the hosts and, and staff of the morning show and the here and now in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it's really an all-day event. And they all get together and try and put on a show to raise money for uh, food banks. And it's really a month-long campaign. It goes all through December right to January. And you can donate any time. But these are sort of special moments. Uh, there are portions of the show is where uh, organizations will double what you donate. So I, I always aim for that if I can. And, uh, yeah, because food... Food banks, like it's really been a problem. Housing costs have skyrocketed this year. People are really struggling. People with full-time jobs are needing food banks to make ends meet this year. So, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I always, uh, they put on such a good show, and I always enjoy just hearing that. It just cheers me up to hear 
uh, that happen to unfold and, and have it uh, and be a part of it. I, mm. You can interact with it online as well. We had somebody on the program once from a, representing food banks across Canada, and they said the hardest part for them is later on. So they try to do what they can, make it very much on people's radar at Christmas time, because they know come April, May, people have kind of moved on and, and kind of forget them. Is one of these shows, Mike, your favorite to catch? Absolutely. That would be Metro Morning. I've always I've always been a, a bit of a, an insomniac, an early riser, prone to be up at ungodly hours. So this thing starts at five thirty, <laughs> and uh, you know it's wonderful. They have a good crew. They put on a really good morning show. They have a new horse host this year, uh, and uh, David Common has has been on CBC a long time. Uh, CBC yes. Radio has been a reporter and a bunch of things, and now he's host of this. And I can't wait to see how he takes on this tradition that I've heard a number of people host before in the same slot it's always neat when when a new host comes up and you just say okay yeah. how are they going to step into this <laughs> you know for the first time especially you go and optimistic thinking about david doing it wow who mm. that'll be yeah. great <laughs> i this is uh this is his first time yeah and uh and i i just i i'm pretty optimistic i tend okay. to you know, there's a lot of, of trouble in the world that gets me down sometimes, but events like this really push me up. Like they really, to, to hear all the help, the people stepping forward, chipping in, reminds me that there is good out in the world still. Mm -hmm. You just have to sort of dig for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll more. tell you, as a, as a person who's always been into broadcasting in some way, I think for me growing up, this was Christmas from now till the 24th, right? It For me, <laughs> I loved everything beforehand, the, the wind up, and a lot of it was this kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and it's yeah, true. Absolutely. It's service, especially around this time of year, that is a big part of the festiveness, right? Like just making you feel like you're you're doing good. Um, when does the Sounds of the Season open house take place? So this is uh, Friday, December 8th. It starts at 5.30 with Metro Morning. Uh, the doors open at 5. So people in Toronto can actually go and be an audience member as part of this. And it's at the CBC building. And uh, also a lot of it takes place at the Glenn Gould studio because it's an all day thing. Right. So they have events for the kids. They have other meet and greet opportunities. Uh, lots going on during the day. Afternoon show. I think it goes right to six when the news. Uh, I'm not sure if the news is part of it. Uh, six o'clock news, but it goes right up to that point uh, with the here and now in the afternoon. So really, you know, excellent time to uh, to hear uh, the, the CBC get involved and really swing at, at uh, getting money for this uh, this important part of the whole economy, really, and existing <laughs> these days. I wonder how many people actually take the whole day off, like the real radio junkies that just say, or, or Christmas junkies that just, wow, I want to do all this. Mike, you enjoy this, you and Sarah, and you also do not miss, and I know this for a fact, we've yep. talked about it on the show, but you always... Go back to the Mushroom FM uh, holiday Christmas party. What, what keeps you doing that? Basically, I go for the people. A lot of people go for the music because it is the 100 best uh, Christmas songs as voted on by people who bother to vote. Uh, but uh, it's also just a really good community uh, of blind people coming together. Uh, Mushroom FM uh, is a radio station on the internet, been around for a long time, and it has this really awesome community of people that, love to chip in and make each other cheerful and uh they, no money changes hands this is all voluntary and they just come in and do this this great party and uh people interact it's encouraged to interact on social media 
and we have a lot of fun with it every year. It's always been a great time. And uh, the man behind the event is very well known in the community, so it makes sense that he would draw a bunch of us in year after year. Who is it? Hey, Jonathan Mosen runs the station, mm. and uh, it's his, his uh, kind of hobby for the blind community to have this big uh, radio presence that kind of gives back. And a lot of the people, uh, no money changes hands with this. This is all voluntary. No one gets paid. Uh, my wife, Sarah, is one of the helpers that will host part of the of, of the party. It's on the 16th. And uh, basically, it starts at 7 in the morning and goes right through to 5 in the evening. So uh, it, it's, it's a long stretch. It's 100 songs. It's 10 hours. And there's lots of banter and chat and, and in between. So lots of people chipping in helping out behind the scenes and hosting parts of that long stretch of time. So uh, I always attend as a hopefully helpful guest, basically. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure, Mike, they really appreciate that, having everyone there. And they do so much. And and I remember that initiative when the pandemic was on. They had that tremendous show of talent from people all around. It was an amazing concert. Yes. Was that what it was? Sorry, yes, it was the Ukrainian concert. I was thinking it was... uh, during the, during the pandemic, I guess it kind of was. Um, sir, well, how can it, people yeah. part? Exactly. How yeah. can people participate the, in the event? Well, if they can vote for their favorite ten songs, you have to pick ten songs. So there is a list. If you you can type in the forum, uh, or you can uh, go through lists between uh, there by each position. You vote for number one to number ten, all mm-hmm. of them, because it's all tabulated. You go to mushroomfm.com. Uh, slash countdown 2023, the whole number, uh, and, and type that in as one word and you'll get there. And then you can fill in this form. Uh, you vote for 10 songs. And once you've done that, you give your name and email. You can give extra information that you want the host to know, you know, to introduce you perhaps to the, the rest of the audience. Uh, you can you have to answer a skill testing question to make sure you're human. It's very simple. Everything's accessible. You have until 11.59 p.m. Eastern on December 14th to put in your vote. Mm. And that's uh, after that it closes and they tabulate everything up and they produce that big long list of, uh, of thongs in, in the correct order. So, so fun. Yeah, then, yeah, it really is. It's, it's always a blast to attend. Yeah, it's definitely a community feel because everyone's kind of engaged and involved with the process of the picking. What happens after people vote? After people vote, everything's tabulated, and you get sent uh, an official party invitation, and that will acknowledge that your vote has been received and everything and, t- and entered into the system. You're, you'll be assigned to a virtual table, and s- sometime mm. before the event, you'll be given your – the tables are all named after reindeer, after Santa's reindeer, and you'll be at one of these tables with vir- other guests, and uh, you'll be told – you can go, and there's a chart that's put up that shows who's at what table – and that'll be available before the party starts. And uh, then you, it basically encourages it to interact. Uh, most of the, the interaction is going to be on Mastodon. That's the social media network of choice okay. for the Mushroom FM crowd. Uh, but you can also do it by email. So if you're not up on the Mastodon, you don't, you don't care about social media, you can still email in your thoughts, answer the questions the hosts uh, you know, provide for people's discussion. And uh, if you're on Mastodon, you follow the hashtag and... Uh, I'm not sure what that'll be quite yet. It's mm. usually uh, the Mushroom FM hashtag, um, hashtag Mushroom FM, and you'll be able to, to track in on the conversation that happens. Uh, they'll, of course, as the party progresses, they provide the information you need to contact and to participate, and you get awarded Christmas crackers. There's a friendly competition. Nice. And 
people will can earn Christmas crackers for funny jokes, for uh, participating, interacting with the other guests in in friendly ways, and uh, it's just all about having a great online time and putting uh, the internet to good use. Yeah, know? yeah. And because it's been it's been happening for so long, I feel like everything's very well established right like the participation side of it the engagement of the voting uh the actual timing of this entire event and what that banter sounds like on air it, it sounds really well organized and people keep coming back as i said what was the last oh, table yes. you were at mike i i think it was dasher last year i can't remember uh <laughs> the tables of faith from my mind but some of the, the comments and some of the banter like one year i i was looking for what was that creepy Creepy Christmas songs came up, oh, yeah. and I find uh, a couple of creepy ones uh, in there. Uh, that Maliki Maka, the, the Hawaiian Christmas, I don't know, for some reason it always creeped me out as a kid. I have no idea why. And there was another one about Santa being stuck up in the chimney, and at the, oh, yes. the, a little girl singing it, and ooh, yep. that just always gave me chills. So, you know, things <laughs> like that get exchanged, and you, you kind of get get to know the people that are mm. you know listening to the to the thing and and for sometimes it's you know people get to interact that don't normally because they listen to totally different shows and the, and the crowds don't intersect but on that day everyone's there everyone's listening to tunes and just having a blast it's so sweet i love it thank you so much for featuring these um with good time for people to still get in their votes for mushroom fm and to check out everything else you mentioned like uh, sounds of seasons and metro morning taping on the, what'd you say it was, the 8th? December 8th. December yep. 8th, perfect. Awesome. Yep. Talk to you next week. All righty. Absolutely. We'll see you then. Mike Fair joins us weekly for audio entertainment, tech, and all kinds of other things. So tune in Thursdays at this time for more of that. And every other Thursday, we talk to Fern Lullum. She's bringing up some interesting conversation today. It's about disability and defensiveness. Are we more defensive because we're people with disabilities? Well, let's at least get into the conversation. We'll be right Why back. Why would you say that? Uh, why? Mm. I'm, I'm not defensive. Are you? Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Kelly and Ramya on AMI. Remember that we're also available on podcasts. And oh, was it a couple weeks ago that I asked Kelly about his favorite holiday cookie? Um, I have Ooh. been very, very excited to make my one batch of cookies of the year, Kels. The one and only though. batch? Why is yeah. it one? Does it just take that much? they that expensive? Oh, God, I, I do What's not bake because baking takes way too long, way too much effort cleaning up afterwards. And the stuff is good, but it's gone. Flour. Yeah, like, That's what you get yeah. annoyed because oh. just you I don't feel even it forever, wait for right? cookies to cool down. You know this, right? Like no, 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 no. That, that would have been sacrilege with my family. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, I had the mother that would cut the the corners out of the brownies. Oh yeah, because the you crispy. Like that? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved so the you, corners. So you tell you just let it cool for a bit, then I'll ice it. I'll call you. And by the time you go, oh man, it's still <laughs> warm. And then you go look. Hey, where'd the corners warm go? Warm brownies are the best, though. Oh yes. Cooling down oh, brownies yeah. is not okay. Got to eat them while they're scorching. Anyway. Cookies, I'm kind of funny. I like them But I got them all hot. the stuff. I'm going to be doing it this weekend. 
on oh, Monday. So what, you, what, what are these, first of all? What kind? Uh, like the chocolate oh, chip, idea. maybe some nuts. It's a, 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 kind of like a kitchen cookie, but marshmallows okay. for sure, because I like how they candy on top. <laughs> cookie, I love that. <laughs> and I like the idea of them hot, but then again, I'd probably eat the dough from that. Yeah. Uh, the dough from that. Also, they're giant. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome in Fern Lullum from the UK for our bi-weekly check-in. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Well, Fern, welcome back to the program, and today we're going to be talking about defensiveness. Well, at least, Fern, that's what you told me, so I hope that's correct. Uh-oh. Well, that's that's just what I thought you wanted to hear, Kelly. You know, I'm I'm only trying to give you what you want. So uh, uh-uh. I have as to say, it's the way it should be. Okay, go on. Of course, uh, as always, I I have to say I did almost get a little bit defensive when Ramya just asked me if I've been baking because I I thought I had like chocolate around my face or something like that. I was like, why? <laughs> oh no! Am I? Do I, I picked look up like on I'm that. <laughs> Do I look like it? Am I covered in flour? Exactly. <laughs> you can't just casually ask if went. you've been baking anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. And so this is the thing, Romy. You've got to be careful because us <laughs> insecure people, we can get defensive. So um, what a perfect lead-in, though, to the topic today. Yes, we are talking about defensiveness. This is something that I think we all experience from time to time, or we can recognize it either in ourselves or in someone close to us. So I thought, let's be brave and let's delve into this topic a little bit mm-hmm. further. Well, you'd probably have more on you in, you know, flour and stuff for baking fern. Anyway, if you were making something, the one dozen a year cookies this woman makes. Um, Firstly. It's six giant cookies. Okay, go on. (laughs) That's right. I like them big, but I'm not going to do more than a dozen. So I just do six. Firstly, what does defensiveness typically look like in an argumentative situation? So we're kind of all on the same page. Yes. So defensiveness, basically, you can kind of think of it almost as like your emotional shield, you know, so you're protecting yourself. You very often, if you're being defensive in an argument, you're not accepting any responsibility. You're deflecting that blame onto someone else. So anything that you perceive as criticism, even though it might not be criticism or it might be, you will just say, but what about you did that the other way? You know, you will take that spotlight off of you and put it firmly back onto somebody else and so what this does in a in an argument is that it creates a situation where you're kind of working against each other instead of working constructively together as we would hope in a healthy communication yep yep and it happens quicker than we realize uh when people are on their defenses and if you don't know what you're to look for to understand then you're just everybody's fueling that same fire right what are the psychological factors that contribute to defensive behavior from us? Well, yeah, there are lots of things that we can be predisposed to when it comes to defensiveness. So as always, a lot of the time I talk about this, it's things from our past, right? We've had a bad experience in the past. Quite often, our defensiveness comes from this fear of criticism. So we we react this way because we have learned at some point that criticism is dangerous. Criticism isn't just a criticism of a certain thing that we might have done slightly wrong, which is absolutely fine because we all do things wrong all the time. Criticism, we believe, means we are bad. We are bad people. There is no coming back from this, you know, Mm. and so that's what makes us so nervous and we can't handle that. Sometimes we can have bad experiences in our past where our feelings have been completely invalid 
validated or ignored. You know, other people may have been defensive towards us. And so we've interpreted that as our issue instead of their issue and gone, oh, well, there must be something wrong with me then. And like I mentioned earlier, insecurity, this is a big thing that leads to defensiveness because, of course, if we don't feel good about ourselves, then very often we can hear any kind of, you know, slight thing that might sound like a criticism as somebody hates us and they think really badly of us and we kind of project our inner feelings out onto everyone else around us. It's amazing how far it goes, you know, yeah. whether you think someone and else is scapegoating or whatever, you you just make them after that. Like, what the heck, whether someone isn't or or, or truly yeah. is, and a lot of time that stuff comes from that. Um, so are there any specific communication patterns that can offer trigger defensiveness in someone? Yeah, so this would be, and, and like you said there, you know, it so easily happens in an argument where you might have like just an accusatory tone. You mm. And especially when things get heated, we start interrupting each other. We start talking over each other. We don't want to hear the other person's side of the story. We're not interested in that. We come to this discussion or argument or debate or whatever you want to call it mm. with this idea of how we see the situation. And we're not going to change our idea because we are right. We are right and they are wrong. And we are not going to even listen. We're not going to inter entertain the idea that we might be wrong in some way and a lot of things play into this one of them is confirmation bias so if you have a, a belief about yourself or about the world you will look for everything that confirms that belief so like I just mentioned if you have the belief everyone thinks I'm an idiot for example then as soon as you hear something that you think ah that confirms it. They do all think I'm an idiot. You're going to jump on that as quick as you like, and you're going to become very defensive. My goodness, this is so Fern relatable. Fern was on our pre-show meeting. When I did that happen? I was going to say. She's been on some, <laughs> well, of, my I was listening, you know. on some of my family meetings family as well. <laughs> I know what goes on. It is so true and so relatable, Fern. Like, everything you're saying, we can all relate to in some way or another. Can you share, like, now that we know what it could look like, what exactly it is, defensiveness, can you share some strategies for managing defensiveness in ourselves during an argument? Yeah, so we just need to kind of take a step back. I think one of the things that happens in arguments is that things go very quick. So like I say, we're talking over each other, we're interrupting each other, you say something and I don't like it. And so I say something even meaner back to you. So we need to slow down, we need to take a deep breath. We need to try and be patient and stay calm. And if that means we need to take a break and we just need to step out for a few minutes, that is better than continuing that argument and just making it worse and worse and worse. Another really good thing I think we can do from our perspective is we can try and think about the situation from the other person's point of view. Now, obviously, this is advice that, you know, lots of people have said for a long time. Mm -hmm. But if we mm -hmm. really kind of think, if I was in the other person's place, what would I be saying right now? So if I could argue on their behalf rather than on my behalf, what would I be saying? Because that helps us because oh. it really deepens our understanding then of how they're feeling and that side of it, you know, the side of it that isn't our side of it. So that can be really helpful. And the last thing I'll say is, 
focus on solutions. The best way to stop just going round and round, because you know what it gets like in arguments, you're just saying the same things over and That's over it. again. It doesn't matter, okay? The content probably doesn't matter. And what you both want is just to be, you know, happy and, and, and like heard. each other again. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what's the solution? How can you improve things for the future? Or how can you resolve this argument right now so that you can just get on with your lives and everyone can go away happy? I love what you yeah. said about arguing on behalf of that that other person, like if you were yes. on their side, because going back to what you originally said, which is we are against each other. This is an argument mm -hmm. where I'm on my side and you're on your side. It really is a step forward to just think, okay, if I was on their side, could I understand? Where are they yes. coming from? Mm. And, and that step away, Fern, that is the one thing that so many of us have issue with because it's like you're backing down. And you're not. You're taking that breath. But we Oh, nobody wants ego. to be the loser. Says, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not the one who has to go take a break. You go take a break. Now you first. You second. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Well, exactly. And this is the thing. We don't want to see it as a winner or a loser. You're on the same no, team. No. That's what we need to yeah. keep in mind here. So, Fern, how does defensiveness impact the overall dynamics of that conversation? Well, you know, we've all been there. When you get defensive immediately the atmosphere becomes very hostile. You're no longer having a conversation. You're kind of just going at it with each other. You're going to war, if you like, with each other, having a battle. And that's why I said kind of it's like a shield. Um, and it, what that causes is for you not to be able to work constructively together to come to a solution, but instead it causes lots of hurt feelings, lots of misunderstandings, um, you know, damaged relationships, and just a real failure to be able to compromise or to find any common ground, because there is some there, but you just need, that's why it's so important to take that step back and to take that breath, because what you want to do is actually find the solution, the compromise or the, or the thing that you can agree on, because there will be something if you just take that moment to be able to look and be calm and find the, the thing that you can actually both agree mm -hmm. on. And you have to want that as well, right? Yes. Like if you don't consciously want to find that common ground, then it is still going to be a rough situation. Yeah, which is hard when you're in an argument because mm -hmm. all you want to do is be right quite a lot of the time. Exactly, exactly. I, I saw this thing and it was like, do you want to be right or do you want to be connected? And and that's kind mm -hmm. of a, a very interesting way of like perspective. Um, could having a disability make us more defensive, more likely to be defensive? Yes, absolutely. Ah, well, <laughs> the million dollar question. Oh, I'm glad you answered it for me. <laughs> I was just going to say, Fern, just collect your money at the door now. We're done, you know. <laughs> The confirmation yeah, is there. Um, but seriously, right? <laughs> of course it does. Um, I would say, not necessarily, of course, we, you know, I always put this disclaimer out, you can't say everyone will be the same, you know, everyone with a disability is True. going to be defensive. But I would say that we do have some things that could give us the tendency to possibly more be more defensive because quite a lot of the time, you know, there is societal misunderstandings, misconceptions, stereotypes. We are often discriminated against and quite often we can feel like less than 
So that really kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about insecurity. It's easy for us, if, if you're always made to feel like you are not as good as everyone else, it's easy to then, as soon as you hear something that sounds like you are not as good as me, to jump on that and to kind of get very defensive around it. And the last thing I think is that just, especially for, you know, if you're blind or visually impaired or with any other disability, quite a lot of the time you're not receiving as much or the same information as somebody else. So, mm. for no, example, for sure. take the for blind sure. perspective. We don't get all of the cues that everyone else is getting. And so we might become defensive because we think someone's being horrible to us, but actually maybe they're just joking and we just didn't see the smile on their face, sure. you know. So there, we have to keep that in mind that there are just some things that we might be missing in this situation. Just be really patient with that and allow ourselves to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Fern, we're tight on time. Well, what are your top takeaway lessons when it comes to defensiveness and anything else you want to cover off here before we go? Yeah, I think I would say just be really empathetic. Reassure the other person that you care about them. And that's why you want this conversation. You're not trying to make them feel bad. It's because you want things to be good between you because you care about this relationship and it's important to you. And also, I think the most important thing is remember that we all make mistakes and we're all wrong sometimes. And actually it's really brave when you can say, do you know what, I was wrong and you know, and just admit to that. And I think the less we can make people feel that they're being attacked, the less they'll feel that they need to defend themselves. Do you have like one or two ways that we can do that without escalating in another person, their defensiveness, or if they are already being defensive, how can you bring that to the table? Yeah, I think you have to kind of not pass blame and not pass judgment. Listen to what they're saying and validate what they're saying. If they say something that you go, actually, that's true, and I've been there, I felt like that, agree with that, because that will sort of take down that feeling of I'm mm. being invalidated, I'm being ignored. The more you can kind of foster the opposite of what we said, of that hostile environment, that loving, caring environment, the more they'll open up to you and they'll go, oh, okay, you're actually trying to help me and we actually do just want to get along and we like each other quite a lot, really, don't we? Mm. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Well, Fern, it's wonderful that you talked about what you said here, what was written down here, and it was an absolutely, as usual, splendid conversation. It's so much there to take away. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm feeling so undefensive right now. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that's the way, you know, the, the disability advocate. We always have to feel, oh, we always do feel that we're an advocate. Yeah, take a rest. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that's the way the Burn. cookie crumbles. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Especially if you only make one dozen a year, you got to have a treasure no Crumbling aloud. Uh, Fern Lullum joins us every other Thursday opposite What in the World right here on Kelly and Rumya. We've got the buzz after the break. Mark Phoenix is flipping, flipping. Mark Phoenix is filling in for Bill Shackleton, and he's going to tell us about how a woman can now officially keep her emo emotional support hens, but she still wants the city to change the backyard chicken rules. Mm, interesting stuff. We'll be back with that after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Like, in my opinion, one of two things need to happen, Kels, all right? Either we need to quit the time change stuff, you know, uh, moving back, for moving sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we yeah, need to get rid sure. of that, or we need to change our show to be 12 to 2 p.m. live. So 
if you had it at that right time, now it's I will even. say, mm-hmm. well, I'll say that no matter where you are in Canada, then uh, when the days are short, you still should have some quote daylight. So that probably would work yes. better for you. But since you're not in any part of Canada where it's like that, I don't know how you're going to manage to get up at 10 in the morning and go to, you know, be sleepy by four. Like we just, it, now. It's just because it's so confusing. Like the days get so dark so quickly, like that transition of, yeah, hey, but, 9 p.m. and now 5 p.m. because yeah, of but, the uh, time difference. How do you tell no, when you're in the dark? It's evening. I can. The light you, the light you have around you is it's all fake light It's cold and anyway. miserable. It's all... Even in there? Well, oh, in here. No, but it's, yeah, not, about, say, it's, it's not about the actual say. lighting. It's about the vibe of the evening. You know, it switches everything around. But you're tired I'm now. going to sleep at... Yeah, exactly. And I go to sleep Right. And you have black and coffee there. Curl and you're and tired sleep. now. Exactly, and but that's because be it's tough. evening. Because must... at 5 p.m., yeah. I'm, I want to go home and sleep, right? You're so going to be wiped move. after making that dozen do- oh, cookies. Oh, uh, we should, in order to get people really upset about the... Yeah, six cookies, thanks, Irene. Carrying in order to get people cookies, upset about the time difference, like the time change, and get them to right. move faster and getting rid of it, we should move the Let show time. Let you speak time. at Queen's Park. <laughs> we should move the show time along with the time change. Hmm? That'll get people riled. Anyways. I don't know. I think the listeners and viewers out there may have something to say about that. Like, fine, bring I'm it on. Busy then. Bring on the opinions. I've... I'm not going to get defensive. Of course. Well, I might. Oh no, Mark. Unless they say keep it at two. Mark Phoenix, you got something to add to this conversation? Um, all I know is by the time I'm done on this show, it's already halfway to night outside. Thank you. So, it's evening. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm here in the future, so it's already darker than it is what? back there yeah. in exactly. Ontario. Never and, mind and where my parents are on, on Vancouver my side, Island. What I'm hearing. Oh, they're on Vancouver <laughs> Island. Oh, yeah, they're oh, all. So the days... It's it's still morning back there. I was just gonna say their day's just starting. And here we've but eaten I, up most yep. of your segment, so I was waiting for him to say, well, yeah, you guys eat up all my segment. There's no time <laughs> left for me. Yeah. And I'm going to talk was... like the Micro Machines guy real fast through these uh, stories. Oh, God. Oh, stories. So you do have more than one. Stories. Right, I, d- I do have more than one. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's all animals all the time today, starting in Regina, where oh, Amy Snyder well. found four healing. <laughs> She found four healing hens in the midst of a pandemic. The Regina woman first rented the chickens from a Saskatchewan farmer for the summer in 2020. Uh, She got approval from her neighbors in the south end of Regina, despite a bylaw banning the animals from being kept within city limits. Now, Mm -hmm. by the end of the summer, she decided she, you know, she'd grown attached to them. She couldn't live without them. So she got her doctor to write her a prescription for chickens. (laughs) I know, smooth move. Deborah would like well, to know how that happens. Support chicken. <laughs> so savage. What a loophole. That's okay. a support well, chicken and, until you get hungry. Well, then it's really supporting. Well, the thing about thing about raising chickens is they can produce eggs. For three years, no one said anything. No one had a problem with these birds, affectionately <laughs> named Julia, Martha, Scrambled, and Omelet. Uh, oh one my neighbor God. even said she loved to visit. I know, nice name. That's a premonition. <laughs> this past spring, however, someone snitched. Someone anonymously reported the backyard coop to city bylaw mm. officers. Uh, so she pulled out her chicken prescription, and after some back and forth <laughs> between the lawyers and the legal department, the city of Regina dropped the case and is letting her keep her her emotional no. support chickens. She got away she, with it. She got away with it. Not only that, but she's a, a member of a group called um, Queen City Chickens, and they're pushing for a two-year pilot project <laughs> allowing 20 residences in Regina to collect data on backyard <laughs> hen keeping. They're also working in Saskatoon. Uh, 
backyard hens. They've become an interesting subject in the past few years. Mm -hmm. I know there's a there was a pilot in Toronto, even yep. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I think Vancouver's had them too, right? For for mm -hmm. actually quite a while, didn't they have it? And out here around the bay, there are a lot of homes that have a you know a few hens, even a little some mini farms kind of tucked in and around. Uh, in and around the bay. There's actually a place about 20 minutes from here that has a turkey we go visit sometimes. Oh, okay. Oh, London's the got a lot of them. They ass. call them wild turkey. Does <laughs> that mostly found around the universities? Because I'm not uh, sure those are actual turkeys. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I was just going to say, but they do a lot of gobbling. No, down by the they river. Do. And and, and they, they have the little crossways for them because they Ooh. block the traffic not too far away. So it's wild. Oh, that, that, that's kind of neat. Turkeys. I will say people, People here in Bay Roberts um, will stop for ducks. There's a family of ducks that moves down to mm. the water in the colder months because I guess Aye. their ponds freeze up. And people will stop and let these ducks cross back and forth across uh, yeah. uh, Water Street, one of the main roads around here. It's, it's pretty cute, I got to say. Sweet. Beautiful. That's sweet. Beautiful. Now, going it back to this sweet. case, I just think it's brilliant. And we need to get the transcripts of the... Did you have a lawyer um, fighting for the case of the emotional support chickens? It's, I just love how you said she pulled pulled out her chicken prescription because i mean she has a prescription for chickens that's right well and quite it's quite cute. frankly scrambled and omelet chickens chickens yeah <laughs> i mean this lady is funny oh my god yes and smart and smart, and smart. Oh, that's right very very what else this so one's some... my guide chicken this one's my support this one there chicken we go is for, well, in case i have a food issue this is a backup chicken we're yeah, even thinking of having some chickens here at uh, here at Ocean Eyes, which is what we call our house. Oh. So uh, oh. we will keep you up to date on the progress of that project. Okay. Okay. So off to some less nice news now. Uh, this is from oh, oh. that was from the CBC. This is from the Associated Press. Veterinary laboratories in several U.S. states are investigating an unusual respiratory illness in dogs and encouraging people to take basic precautions to keep their pets healthy as vets try to pin down what's making them sick. Oregon, Colorado, and New Hampshire are among the states that have seen cases of the illness, which has caused lasting respiratory disease and pneumonia and does not respond to antibiotics. Symptoms of the illness in dogs include coughing, sneezing, nasal or eye discharge, and lethargy. Some cases of the pneumonia progress quickly, making dogs very sick within 24 to 36 hours. The Oregon Department of Agriculture has documented more than 200 cases of the disease since mid-August. It's encouraged uh, pet owners to contact their vet if their dog is sick and told state veterinarians to report cases as soon as possible. It, they, this has been documented across the U.S. For the past year and so far they still don't know what's causing the disease this is pretty terrifying we were just talking on tuesday with dr uh, daniel johnkind our veterinarian um about the the bacteria that resists against antibiotics and how there's so much out there like you know where prescribing antibiotics is not the solution won't work and now this very timely Mm -hmm. Very, very timely, given uh, we've just come out of a pandemic that yes. did hit humans pretty hard. That was viral. Same Antibiotics thing. didn't touch it. Um, I'm guessing since they haven't up and said it, uh, that it's not COVID going through dogs. And dogs can catch That's it. The first and cats. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're still investigating which pathogen in particular is responsible for 
uh, hurting these uh, poor pups. So if I see an update on that, you know, yeah, I'll pass Please. it along and Did you maybe be here to report it. How many dogs or what kind of uh, like numbers for population being affected? Well, in Oregon, they've documented at least 200 cases. Wow, and that's I know there have been more cases recorded around. The, yeah, given how many, I mean, how many people do take their pups to a vet? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's pretty notable when, you know, someone sees their dog getting sick that quickly and reaches out for help. And also so, we were keeping an eye on uh, COVID and the spread of that in canines and felines, and, and there was nowhere near that number, just like, you know, all over no, the place, but, right? Yeah. Uh, there there was one semi-famous cat online yeah. who, uh, who caught COVID from her uh, human, and her symptoms were stomach upset. Yeah. Primarily, exactly. not uh, yeah. the kind of pneumonia that we see in yeah. humans. So, you know, pathogens hit different life forms differently, and mm. here's hoping this one gets tracked down. They, the, the Department of Agriculture and state officials advise keep your dogs up on their vaccinations and maybe don't bring them around too many uh, strange dogs while they're still right. trying to figure this out. So, and the last story. Yeah, you know, some time ago I brought a story to the buzz about a bear getting loose in a plane hold. Well, <laughs> the uh <laughs> The, uh, the the thing that gives pilots and loadmasters night sweats has happened again, this time with a horse. Oh. This also from the Associated oh. Press. A cargo jet headed to Belgium from New York had to turn around mid-flight after a horse escaped its stall and got loose in the hold, according to air traffic control audio. The Boeing 747, operated by Air Atlanta Icelandic, say that 10 times fast, had just started its flight across the Atlantic Ocean on November 9th when the pilot radioed air traffic control in Boston and said that a horse on board had escaped its stall. Quote, we don't have a problem as of flying wise, but we need to return, return back to New York. We cannot get the horse back secured. The pilot told ATC on recordings made by the site Live ATC and compiled by another site. The controller cleared the aircraft to return to John F. Kennedy International Airport. Uh a uh, message requesting comment from Air Atlanta Icelandic, Air Atlanta Icelandic, Air Atlanta Icelandic, there three times, uh, was not returned. But I'm yeah. hoping the horse was okay. The flight oh. apparently did manage to reach Liege Airport in Belgium the next day. So, okay. wow, poor wow. horse. Okay. Wow, and he did good saying it the three times. And yeah. it seems kind of mm -hmm. weird to say the horse escaped from the stall in the hold of the airplane. Yes. Now, I mean, in, though. <laughs> I will let you in on a little bit of an inside secret, okay, Mark? I don't Ooh, yes. know if this was the same story that Bill wanted to bring on a buzz a couple weeks ago. I got to double check. No. Was it? Kels? No, I don't know. No, okay, just, it may be. It may be. Bill. But anyways, he wanted to bring it on a Friday, but that story had more details on what happened to the horse, and it wasn't good. Wasn't oh, good. yeah, no, that no. was a different one. I don't yeah. even know. Okay, yeah. good, because yeah. uh, I was wondering if it wait. was that same story, but you brought it on a Thursday, so you're safe. Because we Hang have on. rules around this. So there's another horse that got out of yeah, the hole? Yeah, same. Like, literally yeah, I think that's what the, the whole point was at the beginning of it. Like, yeah. Situation. Mid-flight. are having to... a bad year out mm, there. But that horse got stuck in the, like, just front paws out, back legs oh. still in the stall. Oh. It was sad. Ooh. They had to put Ooh. it down. Not uh, good. I, you, Not good. No. I, I used to ride horses when I was a teenager, oh. and that... That breaks my heart. Yeah, the, exactly. You know what? That's it's funny you said that because that's what I thought about when I rode horses and jumping. I used to jumping. worry, what yeah. if we get caught and the horse gets injured and the leg gets broke? <laughs> oh like, I God. just used to get so, so doing worried. It yeah. Not telling people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mark, thank you. We'll oh, see you tomorrow. No. 
very welcome. I'll be back for uh, one more day, and uh, hopefully I won't have to shovel snow beforehand. I had to open my big mouth yesterday. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, we you got snow. It. You jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, All I right. did. Mark Phoenix filling in and flipping, apparently, for the buzz with Bill Shackleton, usually. And that is Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays to wrap up this first hour. In the second hour, we have our weekly roundtable with Kelly McDonald picking the topics, myself and Beth Deer joining in on the convos. Also, how can we prepare for a week full of dinners, especially on those busy weeks. We got some creative ideas with Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. But up next, we're talking about seasonal events taking place in Dawson City, Yukon this winter, and community reporter Kim Hovey has that for us. We'll be back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Well, welcome back. It's hour two of Kelly and Remia. If you're still sticking around, that means you've been having loads of fun along with us. And we've had one great hour already, another great hour coming your way. And you know what we love doing? We love confusing you. So we take our usual Thursday lineup and we flip things around so that you can um, stay on your toes. Hey, Kels? That means Mary's coming up in a little bit, folks. We, we've <laughs> had to move her around a little bit today. But what fun. we are making sure, yeah, just for the fun, um, is that we don't miss out on one of our community reports because every month we bring the reporters to you and they have so many things to share, you can't miss one. So we've done a little finagling, a little moving, a little twisting, a little adjusting to fit things in and folks in. So we welcome in uh, with our news from uh, Dawson City in the Yukon, Kim Hubby. Kim, tell me something. Um... When the days are shortest in 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 Dawson City, how many hours of daylight do you get? And from when to when would you say? Um, it's it is doesn't really consider daylight. It's kind of like a dawn and dusk period. Oh, right. Um, yeah, and so there's about two to three hours of that, and it's about uh, like one to three, and then it does start getting dark again. See? Okay. That's perfect. Okay. That's where we'll put so, our show. We'll slot it in. Um, I was explaining to a Muthan that I thought it would be about 12 to three or something like that. That that, that would be the window. What would that be in so Eastern time? Close. Is that Eastern time? Yeah. No. Well... <laughs> Well, no, hold on, Kim. Yeah, you're Eastern time, aren't you, Kim? Like, you're same time no. as us, aren't you? No. No, you're no. four. What are you, four? We are way out in the Pacific Yeah, here. sorry, I guess you'd be four hours. Yeah, I guess you'd be four. Four aren't hours. You? Oh, dear. Okay, I got to yeah. go do the math. BRB. Yeah. <laughs> we're no, trying to change it's... our time of the show so that we're not in the evenings. In my uh, perspective, we're now an evening show because it's so dark by 5 p.m., Kim. So we leave the show yes. and go to sleep. We at, uh, at four. <laughs> oh, my good heavens. Yeah. Well, that's okay. You have trouble with uh, geography. I have trouble with the time zones today yeah. for some reason. Um, let's talk about the seasonal weather ah, in Dawson City right yes. now. Some of the events going on with the winter weather beginning. Well, and winter has come with a bang. We've got lots of snow and we've had a few really cold spells and some warm spells too, which shake it up a bit to keep us on our toes. And so for what's coming up for the Christmas season, this place is 
just a Christmas haven as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. because there's so many things going on and the community is so beautiful in sharing what they want to make and create. And it's just a wonderful atmosphere to be in and all the snow and lights, Christmas lights just make it very magical. It does really feel like North Pole up here. <laughs> wow. And and isn't that what we were talking last year about filming for Christmas movies or just that feel that you guys have at Christmas, which is its own tourism um, a, a giant? Absolutely. And it would be a filmer's dream because it's still so nostalgic here. Like they... I look at pictures of the past and I've been going through history pictures at work and it's just incredible how much it has changed, but how much it's still the same. Mm. And it's just an incredible experience to be here to visit, let alone live here. It's, it's definitely one to be on the list. Wow. I could just think of those Christmas people who are really would love to have Christmas last and start last as long as and start as early. Now, you guys have craft fairs and everything when it comes to this time of the year. Yes. And all kinds of festivities, too. So, like, they call out for chili cook-offs and skating. We have an outdoor skating rink now. And so they put that in with the celebration of lights which i'll talk about and it just is a fun month uh actually it starts in november pretty much and it just everything the all of the few (laughs) the few businesses that are still open because as I've told you, come this time of year, a lot of the businesses close down. They are geared yes. towards the summer season. So the ones that are still here, put they're all in, and it's just remarkable. Wow. Well, I mean, things were great there until you mentioned the chili cook-off. That's not my thing, but... <laughs> that was a bit of... Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, guess, uh, I guess a lot of people stay inside <laughs> with that. But tell us about the lights. <laughs> Yeah, so the Festival of Lights, that starts um, on December 6th, I believe it is. And so it's an outdoor event and we have a, we're going to have a bonfire and the lighting of the Christmas tree. And that's where, uh, like I said, the chili, there's going to be chili and I think hot dogs. And- Double the chili. <laughs> Put the chili on the hot dogs, eh, Rum, while you're mm. at it? Yeah. Yeah. And this is when they announce our 12 days of Christmas for Dawson. Dawson has a 12 days of Christmas. So um for that like the the um vendors and the companies get involved and just give little incentives and lots of uh, reason to get out and enjoy. So uh, we hope that the weather stays decent for it. I mean, we're up here in the in the north, so yeah. it is Cold what it though, is. Kim, but you guys are hardy people with all your chili and uh, so used to that. Now, how tall? Is it usually like the like like really big tree that you they decorate to there? It is uh it's about a 30 foot tree, I believe. Oh. 
and uh, they do it with the lights and it just is beautiful. And uh, I wish you could see aerial shots. Um, oh, I was that. Googling and going through pictures and the aerial shots just really show off how beautiful it is uh, for when they do their lights and get all festive. <laughs> Oh, wow, Kim, that's beautiful. And with your subarctic climate, the lowest temperature ever recorded there was minus 58 plus. Um, my goodness, uh, that's, that's for, for those on the Fahrenheit, that's minus 73, by the way, just so you're, you're keeping notes of those of our neighbors yes. to the south that might be listening in. Wow, And that was back in 1947. But you get a wide range of temps, don't you, through the year? Absolutely. And... Actually, you know what? I much rather the cold and winter up here than I did down south in Ontario. It's a very yeah. different cold. It's dry. And so if you wear layers, um, it's good. Like you're you're going to be warm. So it's not this. Yeah, it's yeah. not the same humidity like down south um, where it just seemed like you. Yeah, uh, as I remember, you couldn't get that cold out of your bones. No, you can never. So, it's, a, no. it's a wet cold. Uh, yeah, it's even at humidity. one degree Celsius, yeah. it's cold and. Ugh. Yeah, exactly, and that's why the yeah. Torontonians complain. Um, you want to talk about winter wear, Kim? Absolutely, and that's I'm so excited about uh, making these discoveries and where where I go. So, um, as you know, before Dawson, I lived in Rankin, and I got lots of things made there uh, to help me stay warm in Rankin Inlet in Nunavut. And now that I'm here and it's a different cold, um, I have purchased a Skookum Parka, uh, an anorak actually, and had it custom made. And oh my goodness, you talk about uh, just the whole process from ordering it to going in and being fitted. Megan talked to me exactly about the features I wanted on on the parka. And like I told her about my visual impairments and like I struggle with zippers. And it was just amazing how much attention she went and gave for making it. And I've got a beautiful wolf uh, rough fur on the hood and oh it's just beautiful and I don't even need to wear a hat like I pull up my hood and the fur actually blocks the cold so it's just so warm and the front pouch pocket has got hand warmer in it so my oh. hands can stay nice and yeah nice and warm it's double fleece on the inside and the big pouch pocket also holds things too and I asked her to put a little zipper on the arm to hold Actually, I have my uh, boot grippers inside of them because they're finicky to take on and off, mm. right, in, in the stores. So I just wanted a place to have them quick if I needed them. So oh, that so was nice. a... 
Yeah. So I literally told Megan what I wanted to do. And I told her about wanting to be on my trike in the cold. And so she made it so it would work with me and just so happy. The hand warming or like the double fleece inside the pocket is so good. Because we don't think about that, that, the lining in the pockets and how your hands are just frozen. No, yeah. you know those Torontonians, right? They I gotta know. stay at the warm, one degree. So it'd be really yeah. good there. Uh huh. Um, we got just a few seconds. Can we talk Northern Lights? Northern Lights. Well, actually, Kelly, I've been doing a lot of research on it because I do want to do a show based on the Northern Lights. Because as I'm learning more about it, it is becoming um, more interesting to me too. The science of it, and and this is the perfect time of year for the Northern Lights. Mm. You can see them even at eight thirty in the morning, like going to work. There's oh. Yeah, it's just a dream. And I just, the only thing I wish there was was music playing while they were going. That would be my only request. That would be wild. Mother Nature. <laughs> if she's well, going to put on a show like this, come on, give us some good tunes. Yeah, well, you it. pitch AMI on that, make a pitch for it. I'll come up and I'll help shoot it along with that at this time of the year. I love the idea of the Northern Lights, even though I barely can see any of that anymore. But. Kim, so beautiful. Thank you. Always a wonderful report. Um, best of the season. I don't think we see you talk to you until the new year now. But I'm all mixed I, up in scheduling, so we'll check mm-hmm. that. You guys have a wonderful season as well, and thank you. Thanks, Kim. Kim Hubby, okay. our community reporter, uh, Dawson City, and so much to talk about there. And I love that passion for the lights. We might be seeing a little more of Kim before the new year. Yeah, I think, I if think we there's tune one more. In, mm, Mm, if we tune mm. into the holiday kitchen party that we throw, huh? Mm? Hint? Maybe. I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking right. about. Yep. I didn't it's say not anything. even December yet. You can't even think <laughs> about that, right? God. At least for another 12 hours. At least. Right, after the break, we go to kitchenconfession.com, or at least we visit with the creator, Mary Mamaliti. She wants to tell us how we can prep for busy weeks, at least the dinners. She's got some creative ideas for us. We'll be finding out more after the break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. I see we didn't take any lessons from our earlier conversation with Fern Lullum about defensiveness, Kelly. Yeah, you were a little bringing defensive Bringing up there. my chicken story. Yeah, but I didn't bring it up during Mark's chicken discussion, the fact that you claimed there was a oh, chicken that got you into waited. your You waited. You waited to bring Toronto it up. while you huh. were a kid, and it hid behind, what was it, <sighs> the bookshelves? I didn't book hide. Shelf? The chicken hid. Oh, God. No, no, that's what I said. The chicken hid behind the oh, bookshelf. Yes, I said oh, it. Yes, yes, it. Okay, yes. It hid behind the TV bookshelf? unit. TV, wall TV unit, unit thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I should have known that bookshelf. Wall unit a wall word unit nowadays? Or or entertainment. Entertainment uh, center, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they used to call it back in your day. Oh, my day. All right. Well, yeah, they didn't have them in my day. Anyway, <laughs> let's all agree to disagree about my chicken story and move along. I didn't bring it up. Move You're the one who air. brought it up. Uh, you brought it up behind the scenes. The Scarborough um. chicken. 
<laughs> sounds like a bad sounds like a bad science fiction movie. It's the Scarborough Chicken. A Look great out. science fiction movie that was for real, based on true history. The Amuthan Scarborough Chicken. We're gonna bring on Mary Mammoliti now to end this conversation and get yeah, into just sort of chicken into a pot. Preparing dinner. Let's bring her on. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mammoliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. At least you're not bringing in a handful of chickens, Mary. So this feathers. is a oh, very, very useful conversation today. Uh, December is a very wild ride. We know that. Work it deadlines is. are sneaking up. Uh, everything's coming up, all the festivities. And before you know it, dinner is rolling around and it's rolling around every day. But what do you do? Do you order food out? Do you make dinner at home? You are here to say, yes, continue making dinner at home, make it a regular thing. And you've got some strategies to make it easy for us on weeknights, uh, especially during the busy holiday season. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and I know what everyone's thinking. There is no way I want to cook every day. Right. I know cooking you know, I know cooking every day it can feel it really can it can feel a little soul crushing I mean and I love cooking you know with all the planning the cooking the cleaning the shopping <sighs> but with a little planning you can keep your spirits up and your food budget down I promise mm. right I want you to right, I want you to start planning your meals now get into the habit of eating at home regularly it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be the key meal planning, right? Forget about complicated calendars, monthly schedules, toss that out. All you need right. is to jot down, right? Just jot down your dinner plans for the week, right? What makes sense to you? What am I going to have this week? Just jot it down. True. And then, right. And if you can, if you're not preparing on a Sunday or at the beginning of the week, prepare the night before, get a head start, either by chopping the, re the vegetables, um, making a salad, slice, any, anything that you can, put canned items near the stove if you're going to be using them mm. uh, for your dinner, right? The less you have to do at dinner time, the smoother it'll go. And the more you prepare, right? the less likely you'll excuse yourself for not having anything done and ready to go and then buy dinner on the way home. Ooh, I yeah. like your strategy. Well, but also, Mary, it's a mindset, right? Because so many of us yeah. food... You get the, everything was prepared the day of. Maybe you started in the morning by just taking something out of the freezer, even though you knew three days before, we're going to have that on Friday. But you still didn't think of doing some of that prep Thursday night because what? Why would I do that? It's Friday's meal. Now it's a, a mind shift that I think more people are comfortable with. Oh, absolutely. And if you're jotting it down, it helps you with that remembering to take out something to defrost. Right, you can take it out the night right. before, and that's why, because you're checking Certainly. your meal plan or what you wrote down for the week, and you're you're getting it ready for the next day. Right, it doesn't it doesn't mean like when you're planning meals, it doesn't mean that you have to spend hours with cookbooks. Mm. It's right. just right. Start with two go-to meals, and then repeat them every week. Right, the ones that that are easy to make, that are quick, um, that are fun for you, that you don't really have to think a lot about. That you can whip them out in no time. Start with those two, and then just repeat them, because it. That'll help you right there. Two meals done, right? And then when you're planning, keep in mind that the meals always start in the refrigerator. They always do because you want to see what needs to be used up in the fridge, right? Think of a meal, you know, of, of something that you've have leftover bits in the fridge. Think of a meal to make with that. Check your pantry, right? And then anything that's missing, 
That's what goes on your shopping list. And then voila, another meal done. Mm. So now you've got three, right? You've got your two repeats. You've got this one. There's three already done for you. Easy peasy. And then if you have time and you want to tackle a week's worth of meals on a Sunday or at the beginning of the week, here's a little cheat sheet for you. This is what I want you to keep in mind. Choose a couple of protein options and then one or two grains to make. This is for the week. And then a mix of vegetables to prep, right? Get creative. This way you can weave those vegetables in different meals throughout the week or anything that you've made, right? For instance, maybe saute, maybe a saute of broccoli and peppers as a side for right. one night. Put the leftovers in a wrap, add some chicken to it. Yeah. Uh, right? Leftovers of that. And then jazzing up a soup maybe later in the week with any leftover veggies that you have. If you decided to roast them up, just add them to a soup. It jazzes it up a little bit because you get that roasted flavor within the soup. Um, even if you have the opportunity, start making dinner early that day. So if you have some time earlier in the day, start prepping it because then it'll give you one step closer to eating what's on the menu and less likely to order mm -hmm. takeout that day. Yeah, like That's actually it. put it as part of your schedule if you have, if you're going early right. or getting home early or your person is getting home early. That's a really good point, Mary, because oftentimes we're thinking, we're not even thinking of days differently, right? Like my Tuesdays nope. may be different right. than my Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, does every meal... And we're, we're, we're actually, we're programmed to think that we have to start cooking dinner at five. I know. Right. But no, well, it's and true. that's what that's what I was getting at, you know, because we are so programmed with what we do. Um, so, Mary, does every meal need to be a multi-course affair? I mean, especially in December, it just feels like ah, there's got to be so much. Mm, one pot meal? I know. Mm. The short answer, no. Right? If you're tempted to make multiple dishes and desserts every night, it's not sustainable seven days a week. It's just exhausting, and it makes it easy to go off your plan. So instead, offer some simple, like you said, Ramya, one-pot meals. Um, they're still satisfying, and they're fun to make because you really don't have to do a lot of dirtying anything else. It's just everything in one pot, right? They don't have to be culinary highlights of your life. <laughs> they can just be easy, right? Embrace the easy options. Maybe even get some chicken pot pies. Keep those in your freezer. Fresh fruit as a dessert. Uh, a little stovetop mac and cheese, right? That's mm -hmm. always good. Mm -hmm. Nothing's wrong with that. I love a little stovetop mac and cheese. Um, now, I'm not talking about Katie, but you could. No, no hate on, on craft dinner, but you could. But I'm talking like maybe <laughs> some macaroni, just, just, you know, melt down a couple of different cheeses. We're good. Um, shakshuka all about the is cheese. another one that mm -hmm. you can do. I'm all mm. about the cheese. I love the cheese, right? Shakshuka is always a good one. Um, rotisserie chicken for a quick sandwich, maybe a little warm salad in the winter. Just put a whole bunch of vegetables on a sheet pan, pop it into the oven, get a grain. You've got yourself a warm salad, skillet, chicken and rice dinner. That's always good. So there's a few options that you can do. Um, Mary, I think I know the answer to this because you have talked about rotisserie chicken, not just now, but in past. Um, but Always. does every part of your meal have to be homemade or can we finesse a little? No, 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 absolutely not. It does not have to be homemade. Prioritize what should be homemade and what shouldn't. Mix it up, right? It all boils down to your personal preferences and your budget. So keep that in mind. So if you're incorporating ready-made items, uh, if it aligns with your goal of having homemade meals every night, it's perfectly fine. 
go ahead and purchase them. But I do want to give you a little pro tip here. So while we're doing all this meal planning, I want you to keep this in your back pocket. I want you to just remember this. Always have a backup plan, right? So if right. you're meticulous about your planned meals and you've stocked up on essentials, have some, and even if you have some quick recipes that are ready to go, there will always be days when cooking, it's just not in the cards. It's not in the cards. It's like this for everyone. It happens to me. It happens to everyone. You just don't feel like cooking, mm. right? So consider keeping a few frozen meals on hand. So I like keeping those bag, the, the like chicken ginger stir fries. Everything's kind of right. in one yes. bag. Yep. Right? So you have those on hand and it's just convenient. So this way it keeps everything in the freezer. When you have that moment, it keeps you from ordering out. Yeah. Um, when you're planning, if you go, like you said, write all the things down you want, you're seven days ahead, how much do you cook with leftovers in mind, With the, uh, even regarding that list of yours, that you know, hey, I'm making this Tuesday, come Thursday, I could use the leftovers from, or, or plan to use that for lunch or whatever? I always do. I always cook with leftovers in mind. Um, I mean, I get it. Not everyone is a fan of leftovers. Right. However, leftovers, it means a night off from cooking. That's why I do it. I love it because it gives you that break. Um, yeah. So it's worth making peace with your leftovers and cook with leftovers in mind. Yeah. If you can. Right. If you have leftovers after every meal. Another strategy is consider making one night. One night of the week, you were designated leftover night, where all you do is eat the leftovers. Gosh, eat all the junk left behind. More than one night. And also, like, in the past, again, you've talked about using leftovers in, uh, repurposing leftovers in a different way, yeah. right? So, again, so many reasons yeah. to cook more than you need to, I And guess. so many different ways, like whether you're using for sandwiches, whether you're yeah. mixing it in, or one dish, side dish, with the big, the main meal. Mm. Yeah. And this, nothing goes to waste. Right, so you're just, you're eating it all up, you're consuming everything, and everyone's happy. Yep. Oh, Mary. And your wallet's is... happy. Oh, well, God. And, and Mary, yeah. I, I, I wish we could say nothing goes to waste, but in Canada, according to the statistics, <laughs> lots of food yes. goes to waste that we should, and it's, when you talk this way, yeah. you think of how criminal is and how unnecessary. Yeah. Absolutely, and this is us doing our part. You know, you talked about, like, energy levels and, and always planning for... Uh, planning a backup because sometimes it's just not yeah. written in the stars for you to cook dinner tonight. I think that's especially true around the winter time. Like we're, you know, joking around a lot about uh, feeling sleepy and tired and Rum, less daylight hours. Yeah, but really yeah, though, but like you get thing. home, yeah, and and yeah. so many of us are experiencing depleting energy in very significant ways, right? And something could throw you off, just your commute at home was longer than you expected or the temperature longer drop meeting. or meetings, yeah. exactly, and weather conditions. So, uh, yeah, to have not just leftovers, not just plan Bs, but frozen meals that you could take out or freezing meals that you've cooked that you can go to later, awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've even prepped the day before a salad believe it or not. Like I've actually made the dressing in the bowl at the bottom of the bowl. Yeah. And then I've just put my lettuce, my cucumbers, everything on top, put a lid on it, put it in the fridge. And then when I'm ready the next day, I just toss it all up. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mary, thank you so much. Always useful tips talking to you. It's always fun talking to you both. Thank you. Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. Now, kitchenconfession.com is where you can go for her recipes, further discussions, and blog posts. Also, if you search up Kitchen Confession on your favorite podcast platform, then you'll find 
lots and lots of episodes of that pod. And don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you dare start thinking uh, we need to move our early morning meeting up. Don't start trying to figure out I mean, how we got to make everything work, right? At noon to make your dinner. In the day, if we're moving the show up, then we've got to move other things. It's just all moving pieces. Well, uh, we we got to talk heavens. about it off air, but we'll keep uh, you. We'll keep it going. After the break, we have a roundtable conversation, usual Thursday staple. Kelly has picked out some topics for us. Beth Deer and myself will be around to chat about them. We'll be right back. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Having a very cozy show here on Kelly and Rumia. We like our Thursdays. We also like our Tuesdays. My two favorite shows of the week, huh, Kels? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I barely pay attention to those. Hey, you know what's interesting? Okay. Kim Hovey, when she was speaking about that <laughs> wonderful coat and how warm, right? It's just yes. so nice. Uh, so many things there. But I got thinking how that is our theme today because you've been crying so much about the cold, about being tired. And when you're tired, you're even colder. I mean, right? I guess so. Or the cold makes you tired. I don't know the other way around. Well, and I, I totally agree with Kim. And again, when I was up in Nunavut, I found the cold there much more tolerable than God. my whiny London, Ontario, plus two cold. It's so <laughs> ironic because you're you're getting down to like minus 30, minus 40 plus wind chill. And here, nothing close to that. No way, and very seldom. But when it is, it's damp and cold. Gross. Folks, it's time for the weekly roundtable. Let's get to it. So we do this on... Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just saying. The blind guy feels it now, goes, (laughs) I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. We do this always on Thursdays, and it's an open conversation on a variety of subjects picked by the host, I, and I appreciate having Rumya here. And today, Beth Deer joins us. Hey, Beth, how's things out in Edmonton? We've been talking about snow hello, out hello. in the Yukon, the but there's none there, here, right? The cold here is so much better than the cold where you guys are. After my three days there, I was like back to my Edmonton cold. I'm happy with it. I'm very content with my cold here in Edmonton. Um, Which is interesting since you're from the UK, right? So you must have hated it back home, but you would have been probably used to it, only known that cold until you went there. Yeah, exactly. And the cold there sucks. You can't get away from it. (laughs) It's damp And it just goes right into Mm -hmm. your bones. Um, So Beth, here's here's the deal here before we get to some of the subjects. Um, Chickens. We were talking chickens earlier with Mark and Ramya brought up the fact that I... And I think I was. He got me all defensive. Without even doing anything, she got it in her head as as we were speaking about about chickens. She thought I was going to bring up and invalidate the the Scarborough chicken affair at her house when she was a child. Only once you brought it up, and only because you picked on me. There's the defensiveness. Yeah, you're the one. I I didn't bring up. I didn't bring it up. I I was being a good good co-host. Do we have a play that back? Yeah. Beth. Beth has a chicken. Slap on the wrist and you need to stop bickering like siblings is what you both need. Wow. There you go. See, we're on (laughs) supposed to be on each other's side when we do this, by the way. We're supposed to remember what what, what Fern said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Beth, uh, did you want to say something about Mark's segment there and uh, chickens? 
Was it not chickens? the chickens, not the chickens, the horse. Oh, oh no. The, oh. So my mom does cargo claims and she's worked for the same company for years. And they, the horse was on a plane that was chartered from the company my mum works for. And my mum worked on the claim for the horse. Wow. So pretty oh, wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing about yeah. this horse for a while now. Wow. Oh, man. Okay. Because well, that's what we were trying stuff. to determine if there was two stories, one Billy brought and then the yeah. one Mark brought, because Billy's was not a happy ending at all. No, not a happy ending at all. No. I think they are the same story. I, I think actually, so too. My mom, while you guys were talking, I was like, is this the same story? And she was like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so sad. Well, uh, so yeah, sad. very sad. Um, ladies, I want to talk about a network of agencies led by the Center of Addi- for Addiction and Mental Health are launching a three-digit suicide prevention helpline across Canada. People having suicidal thoughts or other mental health distress can now call or text 988 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get help. Vancouver resident Al Raimendo wishes there had been a simple three-digit helpline when they were struggling a couple of years ago, did a Google search, and then felt overwhelmed by all the responses. It was easier to do nothing than it was to reach out to someone, and I ended up experiencing a full mental health crisis, feeling really suicidal. Raimendo contributed to the development of the helpline as a person with lived experience. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. Uh, Years ago, I volunteered at a crisis line when I was in college. And um, yeah, it, it was some of the things you felt were how it was limited and resources were not there. We were all volunteers, which was great. Uh, We took training, but the phone lines themselves, was it deemed as important? Well, if we were on a call, someone else couldn't get in. And that is many moons ago. Um, and we were to have a limit of how long we, were, we should talk to someone unless, of course, they were in serious crisis. Um, Beth, when you hear about something like this, a national line, thumbs up or kind of any concerns that, you, that come to mind for you? I think it's such, obviously, a difficult and hard topic. I mean, I do think that it's fantastic that there are resources out there, but those resources are only any good if the people needing them, uh, you know, are able to find themselves in a position where they can actually utilize them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so nice that obviously there are these places where people can reach out to and get help if they need it. But if they aren't in a place mentally where they're willing to kind of share what's going on with them, it's kind of like no good, in my opinion. See, I've had that issue with telehealth, right? If you call for health issues or whatever, the questions that you get Mm -hmm. first, and I think, okay, yeah, you got to know what's going on with me. But some of the questions almost seem like we're gathering statistics to make sure the line is is worth having. And you're sitting there in strife, like, guys, 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 well, yeah, yes, yes, no, no, yeah, yeah. Then getting to your problem. I worry about this, Ramya, with this kind of thing. But on the same token, do I worry that do you have enough people there to help maybe a student calling in or a senior Mm -hmm. that's feeling really down? Plus the resources to say, you're in Prince Edward Island, here's some resources there. How at the fingertips are some of those? And I know, you know, I'm not trying to say they don't have or do have, I don't know. But these are the things that come to mind to me as we're in the beginning and the infancy of it. 
Well, we often have conversations around um, where's that middle person, where's that mediator, that counselor, that psychologist, that whoever, social worker who's dealing with the mental health side of any crisis, right? Like police are and law enforcement are the first to be called in so many situations, whether um, somebody has succeeded in committing, committing suicide or uh, you're walking into a suicide attempt scenario. And I think that this loops into that very well. Like it fits mm -hmm. into us dealing with so many levels of challenges around mental health. And what's incredible is that it's national. It shouldn't be any other way. 988 should be the number that you think of, the only um, place to go to. It should be ingrained in our systems, whether it, you know, anecdotally or when we're having personal issues, whatever it is, you should be able to think of 988 and not not consider, um, you know, all the steps, as this person said in the clip, right? It was easier to do nothing than to find the resources that they needed. And you don't have the energy, you don't have the mental capabilities sometimes when you're so yeah. deeply dissatisfied or uh, suicidal is, you know, just one aspect of it, but any kind of mental health challenge, and mm -hmm. you should be able to go somewhere. Just like in the case of an emergency, you know, without second guess, you know you're calling 911. That's the way that this should be promoted, talked about, um, you know, emphasized. Like, you think that should just be, like, only one kind of like mental health place where everyone well, knows there that, should like, be something go. yeah so then there isn't like the confusion and yeah. the overwhelmingness of like yeah. right. oh well like i could go and talk to this charity i could go and yeah. talk to that charity like actually it's just easier for me to not do anything oftentimes oftentimes we are hesitant and you know it doesn't have to be us personally okay but societally we mm -hmm. we yeah. hesitate to even call the police people in all kinds of circumstances you know i'm thinking of harassment or mm -hmm. domestic abuse we often hesitate to call 911 because again law enforcement you know somebody's putting their foot down about something someone's about to get arrested there's so many fear factors that lead to people uh, um, thinking against their better judgment not calling 911 well now you can call 988 Right, like there, there's a lot of bridging mm -hmm. the gap opportunity here. Yeah. Well, and, and the window that people choose when they are in crisis, we have that window yeah. where, where I'm going to call, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not. Yeah. It's such a small window, yeah. and you want people to see nine eight eight like nine one one. Ladies, another kind of this is in the United States, but I think it has some merit to think about here. Merit to think about millennials and Gen Z H range are experiencing a backsliding in health. Take a listen. The research, backed by the Population Findings Bureau, shows that teen suicide is more common for Generation Z than the past three generations. This, even as younger women are typically better educated and better paid than their mothers or grandmothers. Factors like increased political divisions and lingering impacts of the pandemic hurt millennials and Gen Z. Liz Landers, ABC News, Washington. Life experience tells me, ladies, that I think you may you may or may not, but we, we can kind of, whether this is the United States or not, Ramya, um, any relatability here? I mean, uh, we've had so many conversations I can point out to a lot with Grant on the headline segments where this kind of thing is um, very apt, right? Like, first of all, Gen Z, the communication 
um, that a lot of Gen Zers have. You could just see it all over social media. There are many memes and many, you know, convos about the convos. Um, it, and mental health is just a huge conversation. It's out there. It's in the ether. And I think that a lot of people might be more open to talking about mental health challenges and, and uh, suicidal mindsets, but also... Um, maybe like the the black and white of it is still somewhere in there right where people are more willing to take their life away than to yeah. to have a conversation about it and to come down off the ledge and it it's such a a hard thing to come to grasp with especially in the understanding of how do we problem solve how do we make this better I wonder how lonely we feel, Beth, as a society of people in this position. I, and I mean mental health, but also any health yeah. kind of thing and taking care of oneself, how responsible and a lot of women, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I have my career to put together. Do you take care of yourself? I'm really down. Who do I mm -hmm. talk to? I feel alone. It, yeah, it's so crazy to me. And I just like when we talk about this, I think about uh, when I was in high school and in the UK, you finish what we consider high school or secondary school when you're 16 and then you go on to kind of um, like extra education before university. In my last year of high school, I would have been 15, 16 and out of a year, like my peers, there was like 250 of us in my school that were in my year and we had five kids. Wow. Two were friends of mine who commit suicide and even since then we have had three additional people commit suicide since we have left high school and I just wow. think that's so that's eight people out of 250 that you know like made that decision and felt so alone that they turned to that instead of you know, their families or friends. And like, that to me is just so mind blowing. And what's scary is that's the number now. What will it right. be in 10 yeah. years, 15, 20? And teenagers, yeah. like we're talking people who live with families on average, you're not, yeah. you're not living alone. You're not actually physically on your own, but people feel so mentally there. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, honestly, all of the kids in my year that, you know, were victims of suicide. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase mm -hmm. it, but that's I see it at least. Um, all of them but one had si multiple siblings and, you know, you'd look at their families and, like, their life from, like, an outside perspective and, you know, it looked like they had it all going on. Of like, course. It like they had, they yeah. had themselves together. They all seemed happy until, you know, we obviously found out that they weren't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and it always seems to be percentages when you look at a family of, mm -hmm. say, four or, or six people, including mom and dad, and the different things that befall, success, yeah. failure, health issues, um, you know, and mental health conditions or whatever it might be, and you Pressures. look and see that number. Uh, ladies, I want to switch to a little bit of food discussion. Red Lobster's promo new promotional um, deal uh, have has maybe put, and this is in Canadian and American restaurants, may have put the chain in jeopardy. Red Lobster lost more than $11 million in the third quarter. That's right after the restaurant chain put Ultimate Endless Shrimp on its everyday menu. 
Those two facts are connected, according to Red Lobster's owner, Thai Union Group. Its plan succeeded, getting more customers in. Traffic was up by about 4%, but this also forced Red Lobster to raise the price of Ultimate Endless Shrimp to $25. Company leaders say that's something they must watch closely so they don't turn off their customers. Brian Clark, ABC News. Now, not something I would have expected, but I've certainly taken advantage of this deal, and um, <laughs> I absolutely find it amazing. Uh, Beth, what is the all-you-can-eat thing, if you had your say at a restaurant, that you would want? If it had to be one item like this, is this is there something out there you would patronize a restaurant for, since we're so used to the buffets returning, or wanting oh, them to return? That, like, that's so hard. That's, like, such a hard question. Um it's always been a dream of mine to go to Red Lobster. I have never eaten at a Red Lobster, but I have always oh. wanted to. I don't even think we have one in Edmonton anymore. Um, but, I mean, like, they're drawing people in. Like, as far as I'm aware, like, Red Lobster is, like, one of those restaurants that, like, it feels like everyone loves it there. Like, there's something for yes. everyone. Of course, it is, like, mainly seafood. But... Oh my goodness. If I could pick any, um, you know, bottomless or like endless thing to eat or drink, it would be curry. It would have to curry. be curry. Curry. Rami You're going to oh, regret wow. that. Wow. <laughs> oh <laughs> my day. gosh. Yeah. That's long with your chili at the foot watching football. Uh, what would yours be, Rom? Um, I was thinking oh, about, no, I was thinking about like Mexican food. I don't know, tacos oh. or, yeah. you know, the little rolled up taquitos. Is that what it is? Anyways, mm -hmm. something where it's just like, but but I also like barbecue, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. Wow. Of course, I like meat, so the barbecue goes kind of my way. Yeah. But I find I can't tolerate as much. This, for me, and I'm not a big shrimp person, but I have enjoyed it. it and I shrimp, find yeah. it's light enough for me if I pick the right stuff that I can eat a fair bit. Is it get breaded? a decent feed on it's there's five different kinds. You can even get the one I think with the Ooh. pasta. You can get the waltz, which is a bit bread. No you can wonder get the they coconut went. shrimp and the garlic. You know that's just old. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. We know they really did. I know. I think they did too. Well, it's when they went to every day when they had it yeah. one day a week. Oh yeah. boy, yeah. I was because we know how expensive shrimp is. Might as well go to Red Lobster than purchase your own shrimp and cook it, right? Like that's what. No, it... <laughs> oh, for sure. And the way it comes out and everything like that. Yeah. And you're yeah, well. Before I leave the table, do you want any more? All right, Beth. <laughs> thanks a lot for being with us on the round table. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Later. Round tables in jeopardy due to the fact of all you can eat shrimp. Oh, no, now I'm thinking of that. Uh, we do this once a week on the program. We call it the round table on Thursday. And when we come back after the break, we're going to tell you what's coming up on now with Dave Brown tomorrow morning. That's Friday. And then tell you what's coming up Friday for us as well. Plus, I got another strange unofficial holiday to tell you about. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. My goodness, no matter how sleepy I am, the show is just flying by. We're pretty oh, much it's in dark the... outside. I guess you're going to bed. <sighs> I guess I'll have to pull out my frozen leftovers. Um, we're wrapping up the show here, so a couple of quick reminders that if you go and to And they're your... in the kitchen, folks, at AMI, and then down the hallway in one of the old that we used to have studios, no, no, there's no, a bed no, no. there. She'll say goodnight. Favorite podcast platforms, check out Kelly and Ramia. We are available in segments and in full show. Who's got the vanity today? You? Beth? Uh, Beth. 
Beth. Okay, yeah. perfect. Beth just joined us on the roundtable. She's got a vanity. We've tacked it on to the end of our full show pod from today's episode, November 30th. Uh, and then, of course, join us back the next day for a live show. 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. Eastern on AMI-TV, 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Those are the first two editions of the show. Let's move to Friday because we want to first talk about now with Dave Brown and what they've got lined up for us, the Friday morning edition, 9 a.m. on AMI-TV. What do they got? Check them out also as a podcast if you don't have time, folks. But you know it's standard staple for their program, like our roundtable, the Friday News Panel with Joey DeGutta from The Pulse and journalist Michelle McQuig. The, they both joined Dave to discuss some of the big stories of the week. And you know what one of the first is going to be, folks. The federal government agreement to receive a $100 million, $100 million payment, uh, and this is the payments from Google, to be uh, made to, to Canadian media companies uh, when the Online News Act takes place at the end of the year. The panel will discuss if this template is maybe that template to reach Meta, maybe? Laura Bain will have the entertainment report, and Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Service will discuss the winning titles from the recently announced Writers' Trust Awards. So, so much starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. We'll tell you what's coming up on our show, the Friday edition also. But before that, let me quickly tell you about this strange unofficial holiday. I am loving this site. So blame someone else day. My God, if I knew this existed, but hopefully I can retrofit well, it, it into the last it 30 day. years. So blame someone strange. else day is the first Friday the 13th of the year. That's too bad. So even if there was more than one Friday the 13th of the year, you only get the first one. Uh, this day is dedicated to, obviously, not taking responsibility for any of your failings. Just blame someone else for everything you did wrong. Uh, that day or that entire year up until that day? Anyway, um, Ann Moeller of Clio, Michigan, is the one who allegedly created this holiday in 1982. So we can go back that many years. Legend has it <laughs> that her alarm didn't go off on Friday the 13th, which caused her to show up late for appointments <laughs> and make excuses throughout the day. So, of course, we will take Ann's... Um, uh, a page out of Anne's book and continue to celebrate and recognize this day. So, no, obviously, there are a lot of unanswered questions here. Kels, how much blame can I put? Like, does it only have to be the blame on... of the day? No. Or can what, it no, be... What, what you... Like, let's say that Friday, first Friday the 13th was October. Can I blame... Right. Can I retro-blame? No. January because to it October? Make any sense. It's kind of like scolding a dog for something it did back in February. But so I, what if like, I didn't matter. have anything planned to blame uh, someone you, else for for the day? Then I'm just missing no, out on the day. Can I use it later? Sucks to be you. In no. lieu. <laughs> no, that's why she's got these rules. Because she knows some what people rules? would get in the habit. There were so, no rules. That's why it's only on the 13th. You and can also, do what you want on that day. But if you had it continue, you'd get abusive. Uh, abusive? Yeah, that's what she, no. I don't know. I would I'm just point back to the day and say, I didn't, so I get the get-out-of-free-jail well, card today. Why don't you take that first Friday the 13th off, and that day call everyone from the last year you want to blame or send text message and blame everything you need to blame on them all in one day. Just take it off Like work. I said, I don't think we learned anything from Fern Lullum's conversation earlier about getting people defensive. No, she's throwing her hands in the air now. She's, she's tried. So she really defeated. tried. Okay, here's what's coming up on Friday. Maybe tomorrow we'll reset and we'll be nicer to each other. The Professional Women's Hockey League is starting up on January 1st, 2024. And Brock Richardson wants to tell us all about it on our sports update. 
a Scarborough chicken. Come on. Are you uh, serious? Folks, is the new name drop feature on iOS 17 actually safe? We discuss with John Beeler on the app update. The story's real. We'll go back into the archives and listen back to all the times I've mentioned it and all the facts around it. And not today, the fact you brought it up, not for, for Kelly. Mm -mm. No. That was a break Abuse. thing. I can't bring up Blame. Bye. Blame. Blame. We'll see you tomorrow. Kelly and Ramia. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.